heart of every man craves a great adventure, but life doesn't usually feel that way. Ask for the ancient paths and walk in them. Jesus speaks of narrow gates and wide roads, but the masculine journey is filled with many twists and turns. So how do we keep from losing heart while trying to find the good way when life feels more like a losing battle than something worth dying for? Grab your gear and come on a quest with your band of brothers, Darren Kuhn, Todd Clark, and Sam Main, who will serve as the guides in what we call the masculine journey. The masculine journey starts here now. Welcome to the Masculine Journey. We are glad that you're with us today, um, this weekend, right before the glorious holiday of Christmas, when you're going to spend a lot of time with your wonderful family. If you have a wonderful family, but if you're like <laughs> some people, um, it may be a difficult time of the year to spend with your wonderful family, uh, tongue in cheek. Well, it reminds me of one of the shows we did uh, a couple years ago, right? We did one called Surviving the, Dis- the Dysfunctional Family Christmas. <laughs> that's right. So if that's you, go listen to it on podcast, <laughs> MasculineJourneyRadio.com. It'll help you at least laugh your way through it. <laughs> that's right. It, is, it was a great show, and I think we used a lot of uh, Shrek clips maybe from, for that one. A little but, bit of Christmas Vacation, but heavily right. edited. Yeah, heavily yeah. edited on the Christmas Vacation. <laughs> However, we've got a great uh, a friend of ours on the line with us tonight his name is jim robbins and uh he wrote a book a few years back that we would love for you to check out called recover your good heart and we're going to ask jim a little bit about that because sam you're the one that has led me in this path more than probably anybody else in how much and how important it is to see people with this good heart idea in order to really have deep and abiding relationships with other people and so we're going to talk to jim about that and 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 in the context of you're getting ready to be pressed as as paul says you know perhaps on all sides um from your family and friends maybe during the holidays and maybe this is just a hard time of the year but how does it affect our relationship to to see each other from this perspective well i think first of all recognizing it's constantly attacked you know, that's, that's the enemy's goal is to make you think that either your heart's not good or, you know, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your friends, their heart's not good, you know, and that there's something wrong with them. Because when you start to have that perspective, now you can be in that position of accusing, you can be attacking of character, you can do those types of things that really echoes usually what the enemy's been saying in their life all along. Mm-hmm. Now, Jim... Uh, recover your good heart, living free from religious guilt and shame of not good enough. That's a long subtitle, but I know why it's long, because there's a lot in there. Um, tell us, I mean, wh- why did you write that book? Um, hey, guys, thanks for having me, too. Um, this, is, this is a message that more than any other message probably freed up my heart. Got a lot of baggage. Um, it allowed me to start living an easy yoke. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote it because I was handed the gospel of pressure, um, probably from the time that I was a kid. Um, it was reinforced when I was in seminary. Um, and when I got out of seminary and went to church service or sermon after sermon, I got the gospel of pressure, which says, you are not enough. Mm. 
it starts with you're not doing enough, mm-hmm. you're not committed enough, you're not tithing enough, you're, you know, you're blowing it as a husband, um, you're not on enough committees, praying enough, uh, fasting enough. It's the message of not enough, and it starts, it starts you in a hole. But when you hear a message that you're not doing enough over time, it becomes you are not enough. Mm-hmm. And so it's a message that kind of it reinforces the default position of shame that everyone's born into, which is why the enemy loves it. I mean, Sam, you're right. I mean, the enemy will use a message of a bad heart to reinforce what you thought was true about yourself all along, but isn't. So I got tired of hearing this heavy, uh, it, it was almost palpable, um, walking in and out of some services and churches. I just, I could feel this weight that at first I didn't know what it was, I couldn't articulate it, but then God kind of slowly, through a couple different authors, began to expose me to the new covenant, this clear in scripture that gets that monkey off your back. And it says, no, you're a new creation. Here's what that means. And so I wanted to do it. I mean, it, par- partially writers write because they need to write for themselves. It kind of un- helps them unpack their own journeys. Right. But I also wanted to write it because I was tired of seeing people live under that, that accusation of pressure and shame that had become a distorted kind of truncated gospel. And by truncated, I mean you, you're forgiven. You get to go to heaven, and that's a great thing, but until then, kind of keep your nose clean, and it's up to you to make this thing work. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and it felt so heavy to me that I said, no, it's, we, we've got to tell people the message that is in Scripture, that in our kind of era, uh, meaning period of church history, has gotten lost. In every era, I think, something gets restored in terms of a message that's um, been lost, and a message that this part of the gospel also kind of gets left by the wayside. And I think for our generation, and maybe for the past couple, the message of the good and noble heart is one of those that has fallen by the wayside. So yeah, I and it's very clear. I mean, Jesus very clearly talks about the good and the noble heart in Scripture. And we're going we're gonna to set up this whole conversation with this first clip that we're going to play, which actually comes from the X-Men. And, I mean, the, the clip is almost self-explanatory, but it's... But it's Eric and Charles talking to each other, and uh, uh, Eric is saying to Charles that, um, or Charles is saying to Eric that there, he's he has the power to read minds. He has the power to understand what's really going on in inside the heart of a man, right? And so that's his superpower. Well, as he's listening, or as he's kind of tuned in uh, to Eric's heart he gets something and he begins to talk to Eric about that. And so that's setting up this clip so you can listen to it. Then we'll talk about it here in just a second. What did you just do to me? I accessed the brightest corner of your memory system. It's a very beautiful memory, Eric. Thank you. I didn't know I still had that. There's so much more to you than you know. Not just pain and anger it's good too I felt it when you can access all that you'll possess a power no one can match not even me you know Todd we talked earlier Jim talked about this after you hear a message so long that 
you're not doing enough, it becomes you're not enough. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, that clip really speaks to my heart because I forgot that that stuff was in there. You know, I mean, you hear that. I mean, how real is that? Yeah, I, I like, um, Jim, your description of the gospel of pressure because it, it to me, it kind of leads to, we talk about the spirit of this age is busyness. Mm-hmm. That pressure kind of creates this, I don't know if this is going to be a great term, but hyper-religious activity, this mm-hmm. busyness, mm-hmm. and it's a dry well. You know, it's like chasing the rabbit around the Greyhound track. You'll never get it. You'll never do enough to get there. Mm-hmm. And that's where, yeah, to me, that pressure leads to. It, it does. And um, I, I just want to clarify what I mean by religious. I think a lot of guys in your audience will understand what we mean by that, but I don't mean religion as in the Christian faith. I mean religion right. as in the false substitute. Right. The religious mindset of performance, of Jesus plus my effort, mm-hmm. that is the false gospel. Mm-hmm. And you're right, it leaves people with a sense of pressure, I'm not enough. It's, I, in the book I give this metaphor of um, the sort of the mythological story of Sisyphus, who was a man that angered the gods, and his punishment was to push a massive boulder up a hill. But just when he nears the top of the hill, the boulder slips from his grasp, rolls back down, and his punishment is to do that over and over and over again. And sometimes life feels that way for us. You are listening to The Masculine Journey. We're going to push this boulder of the truth. It's the real boulder, the gospel of grace, further into the next segment. Please come back. In the meantime, go to MasculineJourneyRadio.com to download this podcast and others. You're listening to The Masculine Journey, and that is the artwork, the music of Jim Robbins that you're listening to. And so we're talking to Jim Robbins. He's our guest today, talking about recovering your good heart and setting yourself free from the false religious guilt and shame of not being good enough. And uh, we want to encourage you to uh, check out Jim's music. Um, If you're wondering how I've gotten so smart so intelligent <laughs> it's because i listen to things like jim have you ever wondered that about sam about uh, darren sam? no i knew it was something outside of oh him. man <laughs> jim you may the, be in bad shape i mean i don't know it the medication or anything no <laughs> I, you know when we i'm wonder studying that all the time about you darren we, when always. i'm studying and i'm listening to god and and listening to scripture and 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 just reading um, I love to have good music in the background, and so that's one reason I, I, you know, I heard about Jim a few years ago and started getting some of his music and mm-hmm. and listening to it, and I thoroughly enjoy it. And so, Jim, you're you're way too talented to be on our show, but um, we uh, we are glad that you're with us, Jim. Let's talk more about this good heart. Um, it, it is so misunderstood. I know of pastors of mega churches who just don't get it, and uh, I don't know that they don't get it or if they've they've just maybe maybe the good heart has been misrepresented as well. Um, I, you know, 
lots of things in Christianity get misrepresented at all. Mis, misrepresented? Um, <laughs> try saying that three times fast. All the time, but Jesus clearly talks about a good and a noble heart in Scripture. And in in First Peter, I know that this verse is is a powerful verse in your life, and I love it. But in First Peter one twenty two, Peter says, "You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love, not half hearted love, but sincere love to each other, as brothers and sisters love each other deeply with all your heart." And in all the various translations, it's speaking of your whole heart. And so a wholehearted love would, I don't know, it would seem like it would be a bad thing if my heart were half bad and half good, or all bad. Right. And, you know, I think most pastors, most Christians, people who take Scripture seriously, would say that something has happened, something regenerative, some new life, perhaps even beyond forgiveness, has happened. But, But they haven't understood the full extent of that. Um, because what, what they do is they pull out verses like um, Jeremiah 79, the heart is deceitfully wicked, mm-hmm. um, or David's cry, create in me a clean heart, O Lord. And they say, well, well, how can the heart possibly be good? I mean, it's right here in Scripture. It says the heart is deceitfully wicked. But the problem is they haven't made the shift from Old Covenant to New Covenant. Mm-hmm. In other words, the Old Testament kind of... Um, it presents the problem or the disease, like the heart is deceitfully wicked, but the new covenant, at the point of Jesus' death and resurrection, ushers in a cure. So you can't look at those passages, like the heart is deceitfully wicked, and any other ones you could pull out, and say, well, see, there, there it is. You know, you're, you're still deceitfully wicked. Your true nature is bent towards fallenness. You're still prone to wander all that language. But unless you say, well, wait a minute, that's the problem, Jesus presents the cure. And you're right, how can you possibly love God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, or love your neighbor if your heart is deceitfully wicked? I mean, that would be the the, the case of Sisyphus pushing the boulder up the hill and having a slip on him every time. Your heart would be at war Mm -hmm. with the will of God. So this is not a new teaching. Well, and I mean, Martin Luther, you know, Martin Luther talks about, um, you know, the Spirit gives us a new heart, and then that Spirit excites and inflames that new heart so that you can do, willingly, what the law of love commands. Well, I, I think even if you go look at Jeremiah 31, um, you end up with the new covenant is built on the ground of a new heart because he says no longer are you going to teach you know your neighbor or your brother know the lord it's going to be written on your heart so either we have to say okay god is writing on a subpar evil horrible thing that is inside of me or god is going to do something about that evil heart that i obviously had before coming to christ and he's going to give me something new. He's going to give me a blank sheet of paper that, that he can now write his laws and write his desire on my heart and, and take me there. Well, I think, I don't know how you could ever truly find your identity in Christ if you didn't believe that your heart was good, right? Because if God's trying to tell you who you are and you're believing that it's through this, this deceitful heart, mm-hmm. well, you can never 
take that place that you've been created to do. No, you can't, because um, you're right. God has placed sort of signposts along the path for you to discover both his specific will. Um, I I mean, how can you follow, come, let us reason together, if your heart is wicked? I mean, we reason with, our heart is not our emotions. It's not this hallmark view. The heart is the core self, the will, the spirit, the guiding center of every part of your human personality. So if it's at war with God, you can't discover his will, or let alone follow it, because your heart won't take you there. (laughs) And you can't discover your calling, because your calling is written on your heart. I mean, you won't trust the desires of your heart if you believe your heart will lead you in the wrong direction. Um, I mean, how do you know if you're still stuck in kind of a shame mentality? Even guys who have been exposed to the message of a good heart will still say things like this. You know, they'll say, I had to really examine the motives of my heart. Or, you know, my stubbornness means that I have a divided heart. Or God had to soften my heart. Well, no, none of those are true. I mean, you may be wrestling with your flesh, that kind of remnant, or um, I think of the flesh as like, uh, you you see a a war veteran maybe get a limb amputated. And though the limb is gone, they still experience ghost sensations and ghost pain as if it was still there, but right. it's gone. Jim, so you're fl- go ahead. Yeah. Um, I want to get this next clip in before we run out of time in, in this sure. segment. But um, this next clip that we're going to play comes from the movie Robin Hood, and it's, it's literally kind of the tagline for the entire movie, Rise and Rise Again. Um, why... Well, I'm going to play the clip first, and then we'll talk to you about why this clip seems so important to you, and and uh, we'll move in. But this is, well, it's fairly self-explanatory, so just listen to the clip. I think I have much to tell you about history, about your history. Your father was a visionary. What did he see? That kings have a need of their subjects. A dangerous idea. Rise and rise again, until lambs become lions. My father died for this. What does it mean? It means never give up. As you are learning this and believing, no, wait a minute, Jesus is recreating the heart within me. He is giving me a new heart and your flesh. And that's where the battle really is. You, you spoke of it. And Todd, I know you deal with people who struggle with addiction on a pretty regular basis and this idea that the flesh continually is rising up and fighting against whatever good motives of the heart there are how tiring does it get and you need something that says no keep keep fighting never give up mm-hmm. you know jim uh i want you to react to this statement it it's almost like the the belief in the church is that i have a a bad heart and i need something good to influence it and what we're saying is, no, you actually have a good heart, and we're trying to uncover it. We're trying to take all the other woundedness and the strongholds and the other stuff that influences it and get it out and, and let it come out of all that. Does that, does that make yeah. sense? It does. Um, and it's what we've missed is the already. Um, and it's, it's really more, it's not really even a doctrine or a theology or an idea of, of restoration as much as it is replacement. 
I mean, restoration is something you do to an old barn. You start right. with something that's broken down and useless and then, uh, you know, it uh, can't function well, and then you restore it. That's not actually what happened. Ezekiel 36 said, I will give you a new heart. I will remove your heart of stone. Um, so it was thoroughly replaced. So it's not like God is trying to fix up and improve your old heart. That's why it's not a mixed bag. I mean, in the quiz I put in the beginning of the book, one of the questions I says, one of the questions I asked for true or false is, is it, is it a mixed bag? And it's not. Your heart is pure because it's brand new. Well, that's David says that even in Psalm one in Psalm fifty one when he says, "You're going to have to create in me a clean heart, O God." The word he uses for create there is start from nothing. It's the same word that God used to to create the world. You're listening to the masculine journey. We're going to come back and talk about the new heart after this break. Jim, has has anyone ever told you that your music sounds like Jim Brickman? Um, no, um, but I'll take it as a compliment. Um, yeah, yeah I know who he is, and I often kind of, when I'm trying to describe it, I, I throw out a few artist names just for recognition for people. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a He's compliment. a great piano player, yeah. and he plays very similar t- yeah. style. Thank you. Um, that's, uh, you know Keith Medley, I and we usually use Keith Medley's music on our intro and outro and keith gave us permission to do that and and uh to listen to keith play is like listening to michael hedges play four guitars at once you know and so um anyway that was a piece called only two things that uh comes from the album only two things or the do you still call them albums jim if you're old if you're old (laughs) (laughs) i do i mean uh, you know i get caught by that every now and then i think of an album as just a collection of music, no matter what yeah. format it's in. So but. you're old and I'm old, and Sam's I young am. and hip. So. I, I'm old, I still call yeah. it out. Okay, so <laughs> how do people get in touch with your music and this book? I mean, I, they can come to our website and find the book there, and we've got links to your book on Amazon, I think, but you may have a better way to, to get it to people. So how do they get hold of uh, Jim Robbins' music and, and books? Sure. Um, for the solo piano side of what I do, it's jimrobbinspiano.com. And for the author and message side of The Good and Noble Heart, it's um, thegoodandnobleheart.com. And uh, I used to feel schizophrenic about that. I thought I had <laughs> almost really two different personalities living in my you know, body. And I thought, you know, well, how do I reconcile? How do you put We're, these two together? And We can help with that. Yeah, so Todd can help. He's he's a you know PhD clinical psychologist guy, and so um, and Sam and I understand the whole schizophrenia thing because Sam began with Good Heart Ministries a number of years ago, and I started Dangerous Heart Ministries, and so people are always asking, which is it? And uh, so we we you know we have to explain both, and this is why your we good heart say, is God's most dangerous tool. We usually say yes. Yeah, which is it? Yes. <laughs> so. Um, so for people that are hearing this for the first time, you know, as well as I do, it's a struggle um, because we've heard that Jeremiah seventeen nine. I heard Billy Graham preach it the other day. I actually heard Billy Graham then quote the New Testament and Jesus talking about giving you a good heart. And I was I was going, you go, Billy. I mean, I was excited about it, you know, because 
I listen to these things now in a little bit different light, but Jesus in the parable of the uh, the the garments and the, the parable of the wineskins, he says no one sews a, a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst and the wine will run out of the wineskins and it'll be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Both are preserved. And what Jesus is saying in that is, look, I'm going to give you a new heart that can handle this new wine. Your old heart is not going to be able to handle this. It's going to leak like a sieve. It's going to explode all over you and the people that you're in relationship with. But I'm going to give you this new heart. And we went to the break with, with me talking about David in Psalm 51. The word he uses when he says, create in me a clean heart, is that word, God, you're going to have to start with nothing because there's nothing in my heart. David, I mean, he, he admits my heart is broken. It's evil. It's bad. Um, it is hopeless. And so you're going to have to create in me a clean heart. And, and so God knows the problem. I mean, that's the new covenant is built on that. I'll, I'll take out your heart of stone. I'll give you a heart of flesh. Uh, all of those things. And so it's more of a matter of us understanding. I think people, and I think this is Satan's tool, he's confused the heart with the flesh. Mm-hmm. That it's really our flesh that is fighting against our heart. And we think that it's our heart that's kind of bad and we need to do something to corral the heart. Well, I think we get confused because society likes to say, follow your heart. And what that's really saying is follow your emotion, mm-hmm. which is not what we're talking about. We're right. talking about following what's laid on your heart from God. Right. Right. And so there's a big difference there, but it sounds very similar. Mm-hmm. I think that's why people try to shy away from it. Right. And um, I mean, let's look at one of the passages that often comes up in, as an objection to the good and noble heart. And that's Paul's struggle with sin in Romans 7. Mm-hmm. You know, the things I want to do, I can't do. And the things I don't want to do, I end up doing you know, what was me, and and there are two problems with how we've tended to look at that passage. One is that we, we, we blow right by the two times when he says, but it is no longer I who sin, it's sin living in me. Mm-hmm. Paul often talks about sin as sort of a virus that still lives in his body, but he said, it's not me. I mean, my identity, my heart, my nature is not that sin any longer. The source of sin is not in my heart, it's in my body, and my flesh cooperates with it. And then people will say, well, but it says, you know, there's nothing, he says, there's nothing good living in my my sinful nature. But the problem is, that passage often, especially in one very popular translation, gets translated, sinful nature, there's nothing good in my sinful nature, when it actually is better translated, nothing good in my flesh. And that has been the source of confusion for so many people. Yeah. Um, Jim, you talked a little bit about identity and and Sam and and Todd were talking about your identity, too. And, you know, Sam very articulately said, you know, it's impossible to live out of your identity when you believe your heart is bad. And this next clip that we're going to play comes from the movie Saving Private Ryan. And it's it's a really obscure clip that. Had you not brought it to my attention, I would have never said, oh, yeah, that's a clip we got to play on the masculine journey. 
It's a great clip for the masculine journey, but I, I never would have got it. And the context is, if if you've seen the movie, you remember the the sniper in that movie is Barry Pepper, and he goes up into the tower, and he's a sniper, and he's kind of watching out for other guys, and there's a lot of risk in being a sniper. But as if you will remember, and if you're trying to picture that, remember the time in Saving Private Ryan when you remember the guy quoting Psalm 144. Now you your memory may be going there for you. We're going to listen to this clip, and then we're going to go back and talk to Jim about it. Blessed be the Lord, my strength will teaches my hands to war. I do this, fortress, my high tower, and my deliverer. My shield, and he in whom I trust. So, Jim, why that particular place, why did that scene grab your heart in this movie? Yeah, there's a couple reasons. One, um, the sniper is quoting Psalm 144 as he's taking aim. Mm-hmm. And uh, Psalm 144.1, actually, there's a song, you just played it from my first album, Psalm 144.1. I think that's says, my favorite uh, song by you, by the way. I, I, right. It's probably like telling you that one of your children is my favorite. I'm sorry if that, you know, offends you. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, which one of your children do you like the best? I'm sure that that's probably the way it is for you as an artist. But um, right. but I love that which song. Which one of your really children, do. you know, can you sell for the most? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, no, it's not shameless plug. We need you to go buy Jim CDs. He he's got to support his family. So no, yeah, it is. It's it's never been foremost about the money for me. I, I want to see restoration, and through the both sides of what I do, that's that's really what I hope for. But yeah, that he says you have trained my fingers for battle, my hands for war, and I thought, wow. So God particularized that for me to say, Jim, when you sit down in the typewriter. You, you were declaring war against the enemy. You were bringing light into darkness, because I've trained you for that. Or when you sit down at the piano and your fingers start moving, uh, I've trained you. It's, a, it's an act of war against the enemy. It, it does something in the heavenlies. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was blown away by that. You know, God takes something that seems obscure and just particularizes it for your heart. But there's deeper meaning than that. Um, I don't know if you remember, but there's a character in Saving Private Ryan that's a journalist. Oddly enough, I'm a writer. Mm -hmm. Um, The journalist has no battle experience. He was told by his comrades to wait at the bottom of a stairwell, carrying the extra ammo, while his comrades went up high to the second story to to basically, um, you know, take a higher position. And they said, wait down here. Don't let anyone pass. Well, a German comes, and the, and the journalist is, is so unequipped that he starts shaking. He can't even lift the gun. The German looks at him and scoffs, goes upstairs, slaughters his friends, comes back down, and, and looks at him in almost this mocking disgust. And, and the, the journalist continues to quiver in, this, in a corner on the bottom of the stairwell. And for the longest time, the indictment against my heart was, you're that guy, Jim. And what God did over time is he said, uh, I want you to watch the movie again. <laughs> mm. And the next time he said, Jim, you're not that guy. You're the sniper. Mm. Mm. And it, I mean, tears just, I'm, I, I, I almost can't talk about it now. It's so personal to mm-hmm. me. That, mm. You know, um, and, and so God <laughs> reversed the lie, the indictment of shame 
you're the guy quivering on the bottom of the stairwell and said, no, you're not that guy. You're the guy saying, um, quoting Psalm 144, you've equipped my hands for battle, my fingers for war, as he fights for his comrades. That is so cool, Jim. I I know that we have a lot of those types of experiences in our boot camps. I mean, all of us have mm-hmm. had those types of experiences in whether it's one of Eldridge's boot camps or some, or even one of ours, because God always comes for us during our boot camps as well. And uh, to, to see a movie like that, that you've never seen before, or maybe one you've seen a hundred times. And then all of a sudden have the Holy spirit say to you, Hey, that's not you. The other guy is you and give you the true identity. That's what Christianity is all about, is living our truest identity out, which is Jesus in us, even on our worst day. You're listening to the Masculine Journey Radio Show. We want to invite you to come back. In the meantime, go to MasculineJourneyRadio.com for podcasts. listening to the masculine journey and uh the the beautiful music that jim robbins makes or that god makes through jim robbins and that song is called psalm 144 um which i'm guessing we understand a little bit more about why that song was written perhaps now unless that was written before you had that revelation um i honestly don't remember the timing um but uh yeah it certainly captures uh, oh uh, yeah i'm sorry it was written after that revelation of course yeah god had sort of said now this this is what it means for you here's what psalm 44:1 means for you and so yeah that's why i titled it that well jim we uh um you live in new hampshire what what city peterborough it's a Peter. town of about 5 to 6000 okay so you're pretty isolated from the typical evangelical world as we know it. And, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about that on the phone. I know you and Sam have talked about that on the phone and you're, you're pretty isolated up there. And so, you know, it's funny, snipers are usually fairly isolated from uh, everybody in the battle as well. Have you ever put that correlation together? Snipers usually, sometimes they'll have a, um, you know, a guy who gauges distance and things like that with them. But generally, yeah, they're on their own. And they have to wait in hide a long time. They have to set up in hide mm-hmm. a long time before the ground troops even get there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a really great observation. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think, you know, there's there's obviously a ministry that you have, and uh, and it is probably very hard to live that ministry out from that area. Now there's nothing that says that you can't come down to North Carolina around March 26th or 7th and, you know, hang out with us during a boot camp and mm-hmm. sure. uh, share some of this with some of the guys. I, I would love to have you and Sam Maine, the good heart guys, you know, on the stage at the same time talking to the guys at boot camp about that. That would be a, I think that, that would be, would be very cool. cool. Yeah, um, you could say all the smart stuff, and I'll just make funny comments. Well, that's really well. <laughs> no. See, Sam is—he's the witty guy among us, as you can see. But 
Um, <laughs> but he he also has the ability when he speaks. Um, I don't know. It's just uh, you know, it's said of Jesus that that the people were amazed when he spoke because he spoke as one who had authority. And when Sam stands up on a stage at boot camp, it often comes out as one who has authority, one one who knows from experience and from his walk with God and scripture um, what he's talking about. And so, you know, I can get up there and just, you know, blah, blah, blah for a while. But Sam really throws, you know, the meat out on the plate. So um, and Todd does t- as well. But. We've got one more clip that we want to play that comes from the movie Act of Valor, which I would say out of all the movies we've, we've messed with today, that's probably the one that most people have not seen or the most people have not seen. It's a great movie. There's, mm-hmm. there's one phrase in the movie that I love and I hate, and, and it's kind of the main phrase of the movie, and, that, and it's, it's talking. The, the whole movie Act of Valor is, is a Navy SEAL uh, talking to the son of another Navy SEAL who's, who's yet a baby. And uh, he's telling the story to the little boy about his father, who his father was. And uh, he is trying to give his this young man the context for his father's life at some point in the future when this little boy will read this or understand it. And so um, there is a phrase in there where he says, put your pain in a box and and keep it down and don't ever let it get out and that's the part that i don't like about it really because i think you know we need to give that to god but almost everything else that is that is talked about in this movie is just full of wisdom and goodness and so i'm going to play a clip here where uh, the guy speaking is talking about men hate growing old because men don't see them as dangerous anymore Before my father died, he said the worst thing about growing old was that other men stopped seeing you as dangerous. I've always remembered that, how being dangerous was sacred, a badge of honor. You live your life by a code, an ethos. Every man does. It's your shoreline. It's what guides you home. And trust me, you're always trying to get home. So Jim, why why that clip? Why were you uh, you know drawn to that clip? Yeah, well, men tend to do one of two things with their strength. They tend to either see it as not enough, inadequate, not enough up for the task, or too much. It's too powerful. It's dangerous in a bad way. And so, I've had a number of circumstances where, because I was actually standing up for someone. Um, my my strength was misinterpreted as threat, um, even though it, it wasn't presented that way. Mm-hmm. And the lie the enemy brought in, and this happened several times in a row, like in a series of about two months. So I finally kind of got the message um, that the way the enemy interpreted that or skewed that was, see, Jim, you are dangerous in a threatening way that's destructive. You leave a wake of damage in your path. Don't stand up for people. Don't stick your neck out. Don't push the boundaries. Don't rock the boat because you'll leave a wake of damage. And so it's it's the lie that, you know, just don't be provocative. Don't be disruptive because you'll hurt people. And yes, that is true. You can do that, but it doesn't have to be the case. 
so he took the very thing that was, uh, you know, a man's strength, the thing he needs to offer, and, and the enemy just came in and said, no, you better not offer that because it will end up in destruction in somebody else's life. Uh-huh. So that's, that's why I went back to that, that line in that movie, you know, that the, that the worst thing you can have another man say about you as you get older is that you're no longer dangerous. Yeah. For good. Have you guys ever heard any story like that? I mean, does that sound any familiar at all? Yeah, and Jim, did it go a step farther to say, see, your heart really is bad because it's making you dangerous like this? Oh, yeah. It's it's not simply, hey, you might have blown it in this case. I mean, there there were those cases, but many of those cases, I I hadn't blown anything. Mm. Um, And and so, yeah, after you hear that for a while, you just sort of sit down in that indictment, that lie, and say, and it undermines your sense of, of your good heart and, and what God has done. And you're, you're exactly right. It's, it's, the most, it's, it's a brilliant way to disable a man who is after God's own heart. Mm. Wow. Uh, you know, it, it just seems so funny to me that, um, that you're on the Masculine Journey radio show, uh, Five years ago, roughly, um, I kind of had that same understanding that, uh, in fact, at a boot camp after um, talking, an advanced boot camp, in fact, in Colorado in 2009, I think, February of 2009, maybe, um, God kind of, you know, said to me, not not in a super... Uh, audible way but just began to speak to my heart um darren you're dangerous and he began that through the the very first couple of talks of the weekend and it just kept getting more and more prominent that message until at a certain point when uh, a guy we both know craig mcconnell was speaking it was just really loud and clear that god was saying darren you are dangerous and i heard that and immediate condemnation, self-condemnation, horrible condemnation. And I finally, I just went with it and I said, you know, yeah, you're right, God, I am dangerous. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to quit, actually. I mean, could you help me with that? You know, I'm, I'm supposed to be, you know, getting something from you. Perhaps you could help me not be dangerous anymore. And, uh, and so it, it took a little bit of a, those that listen to the show on a regular basis or have been to our boot camps and so forth, they know the story, but it, ultimately God had to set me straight and help me understand, no, you don't get it, Darren. I created you to be dangerous. That's who you are because that's who I created you to be. And it began to be an identifier of this new heart. That was how I knew I was walking in my new identity or really my old identity, the one that God had originally given me when he originally thought of Darren Kuhn in his mind. And, and so that's kind of what I hear you saying about Jim Robbins as well. Todd, does any of that make any sense? Well, yeah, and I wanted to give Jim the platform in the last 30 seconds. Jim, what, you know, and wrapping it up here, um, what is it about that that men need to know about their good heart how their calling comes out of that and what we really want to leave them with. Yeah. Um, just, you know, heads up, um, what the enemy wants to do is, is one of his favorite weapons is accusation. And the more he can disable your heart and get you to believe that your heart is corrupt, still bad, 
you know, prone to wander, that's exactly what he'll do. And mm-hmm. he'll get you to distrust everything noble that there really is about you mm-hmm. and turn it into um, a liability when, in fact, it's exactly what God wants you to offer. Well, Jim, hang on a minute. We are, you're listening to The Masculine Journey. We've had Jim Robbins on. We want to encourage you to go to MasculineJourneyRadio.com. We've got links to Jim Robbins' website where you can get his music, uh, his book. We would love to have you come to a boot camp. Maybe you'll meet Jim Robbins in person. March the 27th uh, through the 30th, I believe, is our next boot camp coming up in Providence, North Carolina. You can go to MasculineJourneyRadio.com for more information.